If you have a Bible, I just want to take a couple of minutes, and then we're going to sing, and I want to give you lots of margin to spend time before we go this morning with Tracy. Go back to Ephesians 4. I just want to draw your attention to a few things. Everything about Teen Challenge for me is the burden that I have for our church. Our theme for this year, the real theme of the four weeks of Sunday school we're leading into our church retreat that I pray every one of you will make an effort to come to in some way, but the theme of this year for our church is to be like Christ. And you heard so many, and even in the testimony that we heard that brought so much emotion to my, my heart and my soul, is the idea of it's not just about freedom from drugs, it's to be able to know that you have an identity in Christ. And you'll notice that these folks' lives are changed. And Brother Jeff read Ephesians 4 because Ephesians 4 to me is the ultimate chapter. And I'd encourage you not only to read those first 16 verses, but continue to the second half and read all the way down to verse 32. Because we live in an age in 2018 of mixed messages. Mixed messages, false advertising. We now live in the age of fake news. I remember when I was the age of some of the kids I see here, you could turn on the news and you knew you were getting a balanced, unbiased reporting of events. Now you can't. Now it is very easy to see the slant and the biases that are, that are obvious in reporting. Social media makes it easier for us to, lead, uh, to mislead our lives. Facebook, while I love all of the technology, Facebook is just a place for you to consistently represent yourself falsely if you want to. So the question that I think is being asked in 2018 that I want to send you away with in light of the challenge we heard is this. What does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be a Christian? Because the gospel's got to mean something more than just cliches and catchphrases. I am drawn to things like Teen Challenge because, I have to be honest, there's no middle ground. There's very little pretending. You show up and you're a wreck and it's obvious. And yet, by God's grace, if you seek the Lord and you trust Him and you encounter Him, when you leave, it is obvious that you're trained and changed. And did you realize the words that Tracy used? I've been set free. I was enslaved, but now I'm free. And guess what? That freedom is not free to do what I want. Tracy has learned, and we must, that freedom is not you deciding what you want and how you want to live. Freedom is always found in submission to the right master. Because God only ever wants what's best for you. So my next question is this, is do you know Jesus? And I don't mean in a religious way. It's funny to listen to Lisa that wanted to come back to her home province. I've talked to Tracy enough. She wanted to come back to her home province. It has been the burden of my life for 20-odd years living abroad that I wanted to come back to my home province because I know the captivity of religion in this province and how very little true gospel there is here. But folks, before we start to get sanctimonious and become all religiously pious ourselves, may we realize that every one of us is in need of life change. You see, do you know that Jesus changes you? All too often, what we say we know and what we do are completely different things. And I'll give you my favorite illustration. I have told you many times about 
my fear of bungee cords. I don't fear many things when it comes to like those ultra adventuresome stuff. I've gone uh, zip lining with Jeff and had a great time doing that. I would jump out of a plane, which is weird because I have more faith in a parachute than I do a bungee cord. But I just don't like bungee cords. I know all about them. I've studied them. I can boldly proclaim here for a Canadian Newfoundland audience, but that I don't believe in bungee cords. I know all about them. I believe they exist. My knowledge of them is expanding. I believe the science behind them, but that has not affected my belief in them. Now, I watch others do it. I love to watch the amazing race, and I love the fact that almost every time at some point, there's a bungee jumping part of it. And I love to watch the the way things do, but I am never going hundreds of feet in the air, letting some stranger strap an elastic band to my back and with a giggle say, jump. I'm not doing it. But I submit that that's how often we think about or talk about Jesus. Tim Keller puts it like this, it's not enough to believe the gospel with your head, it must become operational in your heart. And that's what I love about Teen Challenge. There's no in-between. And if you look at Ephesians chapter 4 and those first 16 verses that Jeff read, you'll see practically some different things. And this is what, just in a very quick overview, I want you to see five things in that chapter that I hope you'll take home with you. You'll notice that if you know Jesus, not in a bungee cord acknowledgement way, you don't know the science of Jesus. You don't know just about Him so you can win Bible trivia games. You don't know Him about in a religious sense, but you know Him in a profound relational sense. You've met Him, then it changes something. In fact, you've heard all about it this morning. In chapter 4 of Ephesians, you'll realize that knowing Jesus changes your goals, your destiny, your outlook, your lifestyle, and your relationships. That's what it'll change. That chapter gives you those five things. To truly know Jesus changes your goals. You get it in Ephesians chapter 4, 1 to 7. It changes your destiny. That's 8 to 16. It changes your outlook in, in 17 to 24. It changes your lifestyle in 25 to 29. And it changes your relationships in 30 to 32. And I challenge you today on this long weekend to go home and read this chapter and realize that the spiritual theology behind Tracy's testimony and Lisa's is found in Ephesians 4. And what we can call the book of Ephesians, while we call it a book, it's actually a letter. And if you go to Ephesians chapter 1, look at this. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus, are faithful in Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you take notice how often Tracy said, praise you, Jesus? Praise the Did you see just the unmitigated thanks that just flows out of her? That's not manufactured. It just flows. Because you know what? I don't have to convince Tracy that she's been forgiven much. But where are we at on that spectrum? Very few of us in here have been addicted to crack cocaine. Very few, if any of us in here, have been a dealer or sold our bodies or run from the police, or been arrested, or gone to jail. Some of you are model citizens. But do you realize that you need just as much grace as Tracy does? 
And are you thankful for it? Are you thankful? Does it flow from you? And I am amazed, and one of the things that I pray for Tracy is as the years tick by that she doesn't lose her thankfulness. Because I have noticed as the years tick by and I get older, when things that God delivered me from in my youth and my teen years, things that I needed Jesus to rescue me from, so all of a sudden become blurred memories of my distant past and I just find I complain more and I feel more entitled and I feel like people owe me more and all of a sudden I'm not thankful. If you notice that the book of Ephesians was written because this was the area that Paul spent the most time. He spent well over two years there. You can read about it in Acts 19. In Acts 19, you'll read, This continued for two years so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. And I have to tell you, Calvary, as you hear about Teen Challenges, I have tried to give you a vision in regards to Mile One Mission and what our church could be and what I would submit should be. I want us to have the ambitious goal that all of Newfoundland and Labrador will hear the gospel as a result of our obedience and faithfulness. That's my desire. That what was written about Ephesus could be written about Calvary Baptist Church. That all of Newfoundland and Labrador would know the gospel. When yet we live in a city where less than 1% of the population even attends an evangelical church. And I challenge you, if you don't believe me, go do the math. It's that dark here. God inspires Paul to write this growing influential church. And what does he write about? Does he write about what it means to know about Jesus? Nope. Does he write about what it means to say you believe in him? Nope. Paul writes that being like Jesus is to know him and the gospel transforms you. That's what it does. And if I could just take you through a quick run of just the first three chapters of Ephesians, listen to what Paul does here. Because the first half of Paul's letters, you'll see this in every letter that Paul writes. He writes probably over half of the New Testament books, and he always has this same setup in every one. The first half of his letter is, let me tell you about God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the gospel. He'll explain it on some level. But then the second half of his letters are always, now let me show you how that affects you and how you should live. And so in Ephesians chapter 1 to 3, in chapter 1, verse 3, Paul says, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. How I wish you could all just grab a hold of that this long weekend. I really do. You know what? First of all, could you do me a favor and smile at me? There we go. I just want to wake everybody up just for a second. All right? You realize if you're here this morning and you would say, Pastor Steve, I am a Christian, then verse 3 of chapter 1 of Ephesians says that you've been blessed in Christ with every spiritual blessing. Then what reason would you have to have a critical spirit if you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing? No matter what your life circumstances are, this is not a promise of prosperity. It is a promise of perspective. Understand the difference. In verse 5 of chapter 1, Paul says, In love, who? Christ. He predestined us for adoption as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will. Here's the thing that Tracy will discover as the years tick by, that her addiction was not a mistake, that it was part of God's plan to save her. And so whether you're here this morning and you've walked through abuse or addiction, 
or you're walking through life with an addict, you've walked through divorce, you have been hurt and felt the failure of school, a loss of a job, a marriage that isn't working the way you'd want it to work, children that are rebellious, sibling relationships that are not what you want them to be, parental relationships that are strained. Understand, you have every spiritual blessing and in love Christ is using these circumstances to change your life. Next, we now look down at verse 7 of chapter 1. In Him, Christ, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. That's what you have. Paul goes even further, and down later on in the chapter, he says, In Him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. Did you catch that? He works all things according to the counsel of His will. Now put your life there, whatever it is today, and realize that all of this is working according to the counsel of His will. You are not on some ice drift, a flow, a drift, and then thinking like, God just lost sight of me for a bit. That's not true. Wherever you are, your circumstances are according to the counsels of God to get your attention, to change your life, to sharpen your view of Him, to make you understand that you can't, but He will. (laughs) Next in 13 and 14 of chapter 1, he says, In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him. Don't miss the sequence. You heard the truth. You found the gospel and you believed in him. We're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Can I say before you leave today, listen, salvation, heaven, the gospel, the Bible, in none of it are you the hero. And in none of it are you the central figure. It's always and only about God and His glory. But here's the amazing fact. If you will step out of the light and let Christ have the light, you will always benefit from it. Have you ever noticed you can't look at the sun? If you stare at the sun, bad things happen to your eyes. But every day you and I reap the benefits of the sun. In fact, the greatest thing you can do sometimes is just to tilt your head back on a beautiful sunny day with a light, light breeze from the south and close your eyes and just bask in the glow of the sun. When was the last time you basked in the glow of this and just let it warm you and change you and challenge you and expose the truth to you. So knowing Jesus, not just about him, not just of him, results in, are you ready for this? Trusting him. You trust him. You see, that's the pandemic of the modern church of today. And I love you, but it's the pandemic of this church. This is one of the most biblically educated churches I've ever known but you struggle with what every church I've ever been a part of struggles with, and that's trusting Jesus. Trusting Him with your life. Trusting Him when you're met with your marriage. 
trusting him with your family, trusting him with your relationships. If you're single, trusting in him and how you live or who you sleep with. Yes, God cares who you sleep with, who you give your body to. God cares, husbands and wives, how you talk to each other and how you treat each other. God cares, parents, how you parent. Children, God cares how you think and treat your parents. God cares, brothers and sisters, how you treat each other. God cares about these things, not because he's got this power-hungry, power trip, but because he knows that if you'll submit to him, your life will be better. If you want a a front row seat of trying to submit to something else, what did Tracy do? She She didn't run her life. She submitted to a different master at one point. She submitted. Her master was drugs. And drugs drove her life. But it stole everything from her. And instead she found Christ. Actually better, Christ found her. And now she's a slave to Christ. But now afterwards, go talk to her and she'll not regret being his slave. Do you trust him? Oh, Calvary, do you know him? Do you trust him? I fear that in the modern era of today, we get this weird going like, we get this cold shiver. Someone says holiness and we go, ooh. And then we automatically think legalism. And if anybody's an anti-legalist, I am. But I'm afraid we've become anti-legalist legalists. And what that means is we're not going to have any rules now. No, no, no. If you meet Christ, you don't worry about rules, but you do trust Jesus with what he says to do. And that's not a rule if you trust the one. That's the problem. The problem of our church is not lack of knowledge. It's lack of trust. Will we trust God to be obedient, to give our tithes and offerings? Will we trust God to ask people to help us raise the money to build a building? Will we trust God to help us see beyond ourselves to want to start other churches? Will we trust God to ask him to fill this church up with drug addicts and alcoholics? Well, we trust God to fill this church up, quite frankly, with whoever he wants to fill it up with. And we will seek and desire and pursue to be friends and family with everybody. If you, how many of you watched the wedding yesterday? Be honest. Did you watch the wedding? Ah, you finally the hand went up. All right. One a very profound sermon by one of the, the preachers, part of that, if you saw it. And he skated so close to the truth. He gave us all the love without very little of the holiness. You see, you're never going to have real love if you don't have holiness. The reason Debbie and I can have a relationship is not because we've learned how to lavish each other with love. That's a result of our holiness, which is we hold ourselves for each other. Are you loyal to Christ? Has he changed you? And as Forrest Gump would say, that's all I have to say about that. So let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity just to rejoice. And as we sing one last song and we enter into the second half of this long weekend, oh Lord, help us to enjoy what you give us, but never think it's ours. Help us to enjoy our afternoon and our day off tomorrow with family and friends, but not feel like it's owed to us. 
Lord, may we even relax and recreate in a way that gives you glory. But Lord, if there's one person here who doesn't know you, and if there are Christians, my brothers and sisters, who with me will admit that so often I live my life ungrateful, not trusting you. Oh Lord, I trust you in some stuff, but I I have stuff like Tracy said, in all I do, I honor you. Lord, in all I do, do I trust you? There are areas of my life that I look at you very boldly and brazenly and say, you don't get this. Because I trust me, then I trust you. So Lord, help us to know the freedom of being a servant of God. And so Lord, be with my sister, our sister. Lord, we are asking you to do some incredible things. When I think about what Calvary Baptist needs in regards to facilities and offerings and one-time gifts and partnerships and all these things, and Lord, that is no different than what Teen Challenge needs. And Lord, so the, the, the task is great, but it's like, are we doubting that you can't meet these needs? So Lord, revive us. I pray in Jesus' name and all God's people said.